0: Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at That's Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. You are listening to The Bird Calls on the Armchair All-American Network. For more on your pelicans, go to iTunes, search The Bird Calls, and subscribe today. I'm your host, contributor to the birdrights.com Preston Ellis. Apologize again for the echo. I will be moved by, I think, Wednesday, Thursday morning, and then my audio quality will be much better. Uh, in the immediacy, the Pelicans won their first game by 15 points last night. To talk about it, we have our editor-in-chief, uh, the man who's always renovating his house, Mr. Ali Cosell. What's going on, dude? Nothing. I'm getting over this flu that I
1: picked up a few days ago. I wasn't even able to go to the game yesterday.
0: Oh really? That sucks. Are you feeling better? A little. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. It's not going. To, no
2: more detail than
0: that. We don't need one. <laughs> that's that's all we need. All right. You just heard him, the host of Hard in the Paint, uh, contributor to the dot as well as Crescent City Sports. Mister David Grubb. What's up, dude?
2: Dude, having a great Friday so far. You know, great Halloween last night with the with my daughter too, and and she was happy. So what more can you ask? You get a win. Everything's good.
0: I know. And speaking of everything being good, you guys, we're ready for our first uh, live read of our newest sponsor, Manscaped. Now, you know that feeling when you drive down a nice neighborhood and you see that one beautiful lawn just perfectly trimmed? What must it feel like to come home to that lawn, knowing the work you've put in, the pride that comes with it? Well, Grub, the same applies to your body. Keeping yourself properly trimmed and smelling great not only gives you the confidence to step up when you need to, it might surprise and delight your partner. So use Manscaped. Manscaped is number one in the men's below-the-belt grooming. The Lawnmower 2.0 has proprietary skin-safe technology so you won't nick or snag your nuts. (laughs) And don't use the same trimmer on your nuts that you use on your face because, Ollie, that's just gross. So stop that. So right now, you get 20% off with free shipping by using the code armchair at manscaped.com. That's armchair is that code. 20% 20% off with free shipping. It's a great Christmas present, too. Always use the right tools for the right job. Your balls will thank you. What about you, Ali? Have you tested out your kit yet?
1: <laughs> this is so hard to do. I <laughs> know uh, I have not, Preston, but it is beautiful. I, I must admit, uh, Shannon was giving me grief the other day, so I-, I do. I have to use it. I have to try it, and I'll get back to you.
2: <laughs> All right. What about you, Mr. Grubb? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, and that thing is 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 comfortable. You know, you, you always get worried, like you said. You don't want any nicks or you know irritation. And it's 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 a good product. I actually, I mean, it's we we are in the age where guys got to take care of themselves. Everything is supposed to be groomed a little bit better. And I think it, this is a good product for that.
0: And at the risk of too much information, you guys, I promise it is exciting when you unveil yourself for the first time to your partner. That's gonna be a fun experience for you guys. All right. Do you, talk- uh, you jump out of the closet with your robe open and just like, dang. Uh, what movie was that? Was that Forgetting Sarah Marshall? <laughs> All right, you guys, let's talk about the game. We'll start with, uh, actually, we'll start with Grub. He's probably coming in, in hot out, uh, out of his radio show. So just your overall
2: impression, Rob, I'll just let you take the floor. So the good things that came out of last night were number one, the transition points. Um, I thought that was phenomenal. It set up so much for them. It made the three point shooting, uh, they didn't have to be as much of a volume shooting three point team. They got better looks, um, particularly from below the break. They were outstanding in shooting threes from below the break last night. I believe they were nine of 12, uh, for the game, uh, I liked the uh, defensive intensity and keeping uh, Jokic from having clear passing lanes. I think they did a good job in stopping cutters. Um, They forced some more difficult shots, even though the Nuggets were able to shoot a fairly high percentage um, inside of uh, the the three-point line. They really limited the on the outside, which had been a problem. They got to the free throw line twice as much as the Nuggets and converted those. And in particular, when you get Jaleel Okafor getting double figure free throw attempts, when you get Brandon Ingram getting double figure free throw attempts, and you get Frank Jackson not only shooting the three ball, but attacking the rim in a very decisive manner. Those are all really good developments. And then again, just you know, taking the box score out of it, seeing again the impact that Lonzo Ball has on this offense and... Um, and, and just creating opportunities, creating so many of those free throws opportunities was huge. And then getting Drew Holiday back to start getting into the groove. It wasn't his best game. He made some questionable decisions, but having him out on the uh, and available is far better than not having him. Yeah, there's a, a lot to dissect.
0: Grubb got to a, a good bit of it. Uh, I think we should start with the rotations, which is something that Grubb was talking about before we lost him a minute ago, uh, Ali. And Gentry commented about this during and after the game, uh, starting Nicola Melli and Jaleel Okafor uh, at the four and the five with Brandon Ingram at the three. And he said that the starting lineup will continue to evolve as the season goes along. What did you see from that starting lineup? Is it something you'd like to see again? Or do you think this is purely something that's going to evolve based on matchups?
1: I love what Alvin did last night. You know, going up against uh, a front line of Jokic, Millsap, and Craig, you knew with the Pelicans giving up 19 offensive rebounds to the Warriors in a previous game, that could have potentially been a big problem. Well, him and I mean Gentry, going bigger by starting Okafor and Melly, and, of course, having Ingram at the small forward, paid huge dividends. You know, we didn't see anybody get more than five rebounds, but the fact that the Denver Nuggets – only totaled five offensive rebounds for the game and none in the first half. That was utterly huge. And that combined with the fact that he kind of stepped off the gas because in post game, Alvin talked about how defensively they weren't simply as aggressive as they had been the first four games. So, therefore, Ja, all the bigger guys, they were allowed to play back a little bit and they really keyed on stopping the ball handler, it, it, you know, basically stopping that penetration work, which really does fo- kind of create all those. Uh, Breakdowns in in your defense, so I think that combination right there. When he went with that bigger lineup, it just worked perfectly. I'm not sure if that'll work for every game going forward because you know we're gonna play some smaller teams against some faster teams because Jokic isn't the most mobile guy. Millsap's a little bit older, so I'm curious if Gentry's gonna stick with us because how well it did work. I think he probably should considering we're missing you know Favors and Zion, but it's not gonna always work. But again. Hats off to the coaching staff. They nailed everything. And as David mentioned earlier, there were so many good things to take away from this game. I thought individually, everybody's efforts seemed to be better. I thought Drew Holiday did get off to a really good start. You know, he set that tone early. And it just spiraled. Or I should say, you know, it was kind of a domino effect where everybody contributed a little bit. So it was a great team win. But it all started with the coaching staff's decisions. (laughs)
0: Yeah, for sure. Uh, great all-around win. Uh, I want to shout out Bishop Pastor, R.W. We had a, a back-and-forth yesterday about playing Jackson Hayes against Nikola Jokic. And I said my only concern would be that he'd pick up three quick fouls in his first three minutes, and that actually came to pass. But he did play really well on the offensive side. We're really seeing his game translate. But I want to talk specifically about the defense with you, Grub. We're now rated uh, 26 in the NBA. We were 29th just yesterday. But I posted something on the Bird Rights yesterday that were number one deflections, were number three in loose balls recovered, number six in contesting shots. And opponents are only shooting, uh, I think, the 18th best uh, 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 efficient field goal percentage against the Pelicans. So the Pelicans are defending quite well. It's just second-chance opportunities, getting killed on the boards. How important specifically is just rebounding to winning
2: these games? It's so important for them because it's what sparks everything. Um, They can't rebound. And you're constantly giving up second chances and you're having to play defense for 45 seconds, 48 seconds, because you've given up um, those second chance opportunities. That's when guys break down. You know, that's when they make mistakes is on that second one, because you're in recovery mode. The ball bounces a certain way and everybody's trying to relocate their man. Uh, And so when you keep people off the glass. You, you know, number one, you get the ball back, and then number two, you don't put yourself in these positions with guys who are still learning their roles defensively, learning each other defensively. You don't put them at a disadvantage. The the biggest thing for the Pelicans has just been stopping people in the paint and not giving up those opportunities and keeping people away from the free throw line, and a lot of that was because Derek Favors was hurt and is still hurt, and a lot of that is that you don't have great interior defenders, but You saw last night they were able to compensate for that with the length that they started to have Drew back out there, to have Lonzo out there, and to have Ingram at the three. Like you said, those are the things, having the length that they have, having the quickness they have, that's why they get so many deflections. And that's what we thought coming into the season is that they would be able to do. It's just that the back line has been so messed up due to injury and due to the rotations that they've had to go with that that weak link has been the biggest, uh, you know, anchor on the defense.
0: Yeah, and we'll have to talk about Derek Favors a little bit later because we have two prominent people that we need to talk about right now, Ollie. And I think you and I have both been leading the Frank Jackson hype train more than most. I'll still point out until he's not anymore that he's number one in offensive rating in the NBA right now. A uh, big coming out party last night. I think it was the fifth time he scored 20 or more points. I think he hit like, I don't know, eight of his first nine shots or something. He was just on fire. He was confident, but he also was poised. He wasn't rushing anything. He wasn't overplaying, over pursuing, as we're used to seeing. He just seemed collected. He knew what he wanted to do, and he asserted himself. Ali, what did you see from Frank? Yeah, real quick, Chris, I want to ask you, where are you, what is your parameters you
1: set up? Because you talk about him being first or second but then I see him listed as 10th. Are you just waiting out guys that don't play many minutes or what is it?
0: <laughs> you're calling me out on air. I uh, have
1: no, we got to <laughs> if you're going to say it, I want to know what it is.
0: <laughs> yeah. So I'm not including players who have played only two games or fewer. If you've played okay. at least three games, then Frank Jackson is tied for number one with Ben McLemore with Nikhil Alexander Walker being number two. But yes, there are like six or seven other guys who have only played in one game who are ranked ahead of him. Gotcha. Well, getting
1: back to your question. Yeah, Frank was phenomenal. I mean, we finally saw what we kind of saw in preseason, right, where he can literally basically take his man off the dribble anytime he wants. He can shoot that open jumper with confidence. And really, in the first four regular season games, we didn't see that on any kind of consistent basis. Uh, but last night, man, he, he just started off hotter than a firecracker. And he was able to keep it going all throughout the game. And I thought that was key because we saw the game um, get started with some fast break points. Brandon Ingram, they got going, but then – off the bench, you know, Jaleel didn't get going right away. So off the bench was kind of key to get to him because it was kind of a tight game, uh, especially throughout that first half. But Frank was the one that kept up, you know, that, that pace that the starters seemed to set. So it was great to see. And like we've always said, this with this depth, somebody is going to have to always provide that kind of spark off the bench because they're capable of it. You just have to make sure that at least one or two guys can do that for you. And if so, then the Pelicans are going to be, like we've already noticed, even though they're one and four, they're a dangerous offensive team. So if they've got enough weapons firing, that's going to be the key to their success. Until Derek Favors gets to be 100%, I don't see this team being in the top 15 defensively. So they're going to have to really rely on that offense. So we really like what we saw. David mentioned, and it's great to point out, they didn't overly shoot the three ball or seek it. They actually went inside the paint a lot, and boy, did it pay off. The amount of times it got to the free throw line, that was outstanding. So if they could somehow follow that script and, like I said, have the bench come in and do their part, whether it's Frank Jackson, Nikhil, you name it, that's going to do wonders. And we've got two opponents coming up, and I'm sure we'll touch on them or talk about them, that are very beatable. So the Pelicans can get to three and four real quick here uh, within the next week.
0: Now, Grubb, the Pelicans still got killed in the paint. Uh, They're 30th in the NBA. They gave up 60 points to the Denver Nuggets. However, Jalil Okafor played really well. And I'll, I'll say this. If five people comment under here uh, about Jalil Okafor and, and his spin move, I'll put together a compilation of all of his spins uh, from last night's game. So five people do that. Uh Grub, go ahead and talk about Chelu Okafor, how exquisite he was offensively, specifically matched up against Nikola Jokic, and then what the Pelicans can do to minimize their opponents in the paint right now cuz they're just
2: not doing it. Well, I don't I don't think that they they're going to give up points in the paint. I think that that's part of the 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 structure of the way that they play. I mean, we've seen it over the last couple seasons, they do just they give up points in the paint it hasn't mattered. You know, who's been on the back end, whether it was Anthony Davis or whomever, this this kind of leads to that. So the, the most important thing that they have to be effective at, if you are going to have people come to play, is don't foul. Don't give them easy opportunities to get those extra points at the free throw line. And I thought that was the biggest difference on the interior. Um, but for Jaleel, and if you've seen it on my Twitter, every time the, the Pelicans play, if Jaleel's on the floor, you have to feed him early because he's one of those players that when he's engaged offensively, it turns everything else on for him. He's getting, that's why he's getting a steal at half court and dribbling all the way and finishing because he reli that offense is what he knows he can do. And if he's not contributing that, I think he goes into a place where he says "Then I don't know what else to do. I'm not good as good at these other things. He's just one of those guys that needs it. And I, I think, you see the touch. You see the moves. You see his conditioning is better because of the, the weight loss. And I think no one on that team wants to be as good as Jaleel. There's nobody who has more of a desire to be effective and to contribute than Jaleel does. And when you can do it in that way, and I, I like you said, to neutralize Jokic the way he did, um, and especially to put the pressure on him offensively. That's what you have him out there for to get opposing bigs in trouble. And he gets to the line a career high 13 times last night and ties his career high with 10 makes. That's from him putting pressure on the defense. And that's what you, that's what Alvin Gentry just has to do anytime Jaleel gets on the floor get him the ball early, give him opportunities to finish.
0: All right, Ollie, we're going to start a new game that I just uh, thought of. It's, it's just going to be called simply, is this something or nothing? Right now, the Pelicans' defense is actually quite good. It's like middle of the pack in the first and third quarters. But in the second quarter specifically, and also in the fourth quarter, they're bottom five team. Why are the Pelicans so bad defensively in second and fourth quarters? Oh,
1: well, that, that requires more than just two words to answer, Preston. There's, there's a whole slew of things. I mean, three guys being out for a couple of the games, um, having your your stalwart center, the main guy that's going to be protecting rim out. Julio uh, Okafor was not in position first four games because they were playing a very aggressive defense. Um, it, it, it's just up and down. But I want to mention that they're going in the right direction. You mentioned this yesterday, I think, from the Bird Rice account about the number of deflections, the high number, that maybe potentially there was something on the horizon that if you just tweak a few things, I think, like I said, we saw a few things um, get changed by Alvin and the coaching staff, which really worked out. And this is one thing i got to add, too, to what David was saying earlier about the defense. Yeah, they still give up a lot of pain points, but what I'm looking at is they actually took away the three-point shots. Yep. They loves to shoot that perimeter shot, right? So for the Pelicans, just to be able to take one of those two away, that's huge. And the fact that they only put them on the line for 16 free throws, that's outstanding. I will give up 60 points. I will give up that, what was it, the disparity of 12 every time. If you can limit you know, good three-point shooting teams to uh, 26 threes and 16 free throws, that's a recipe for success.
0: Yeah, yeah, the Pelicans are still number one after five games being played. Drew Holiday and Lonzo Ball are both uh, individually uh, number two and I want to say tenth in deflections per game. I'm not including Jimmy Butler because he's only played in two games. <laughs> that's just going to be my criteria going forward. If you haven't played at least 50% of the season, you don't get to be included. Uh, let's go ahead and get to specific questions now. Uh, we've got a lot of them. And the first one we're going to go, I'm not even going to try to pronounce this. I apologize so much. Uh, it looks like you get IHW. Uh, and that is right now, the, the Pelicans need frontline help, Grub, Can you see them possibly moving someone like an Etwan Moore or Derek Favors? To, obviously, they're not going to move Derek Favors, but just in the spirit of answering this question, moving players
2: like Moore, Miller, or Favors for immediate frontline help. Um, I don't think it's going to be immediate. I think the Pelicans want to see what their team as a whole looks like once Zion is healthy, once favors is healthy uh, and see what that rotation looks like before they decide to do anything. Um, I would like to see a big added to the, to the rotation. I think they need a a physical dirty work player who doesn't need the ball. That's the one thing that they don't have on this roster to, to me to make them a complete unit. Uh, on that second unit, just a, you know, an energy big who can just come in and just muscle people. Um, I'd like to see that. And I think Etuan, unfortunately, and I know it's a cause they, sp- they split in the um, Preston Ellis household, but <laughs> Etuan is, is, is now at the position, yeah. I mean, he's just not going to play because with the ascendance of Frank Jackson, there's just no need. And you want those guys who are, are playing better to get the minutes. So Etuan, of course, is the most likely guy to be moved but I still think there's going to be some time before that happens.
0: Now, uh, you're 100% right. As soon as they signed J.J. Reddick, I could see the writing on the wall. And that was before they had even uh, – no, it was after they had selected Nikhil Alexander-Walker. There's just too much depth in the backcourt right now. And when you sign J.J. Reddick, you're you're loudly announcing that Etuan Moore is kind of on his way out. I also could argue, though, that um, – anyway – Etuan Moore's a good player. He's going to catch on somewhere. I could argue right now that he might be playing a bit better than J.J. Reddick, who has been struggling. And let's go ahead and talk about that, Ali. Uh, He had some nice passes. uh, His off-ball movement obviously helps the offense. But what have you seen from J.J. Reddick so far? Well, I've seen
1: that he's obviously got full confidence whether he's making his shots or not. So that's something good to see, right? He wants him to be reliable in the role that he was really brought in to serve and fill which is, of course, that volume, three-point shooting, that floor-spacing, gravity-inducing uh, player. So he's done that. He had, his shot hasn't gone down as well as we'd like. But you know what? Last last night, we did see a little bit more of an improvement. I did like the fact that he had two nice assists. And as for in the previous two games, he, he was almost a liability out there on the court because you know he's not going to give it to you defensively. And with his shot not dropping and him not creating for others and, in fact, leading to turnovers, boy, you you made a strong case there that more or anybody else would have been better in those shoes, but again, it, it's just a two game sample size. You throw that out every day of the week because you look at the whole body of work with this guy's career. So it's good to see that he kind of just also fit in the flow. You know, the fact that he didn't force or look for shots—that's something I like honestly about this Pelicans team. By the way, guys, there's not a definite one A or one B, a hierarchy that hey, I got to get my twenty shots, I got to get my fifteen. Seems like these guys. Play so well right, right now, as to where they don't care where the shots are coming from, and you can tell because they're leading the league in passes. They, all all their main guys are averaging about just a little over three three seconds more or less in terms of uh, possession. So they're they're flinging it around. Nobody's holding it. As to where some people are saying for Lonzo Ball needing to be more, you know, decisive in terms of you know leading this offense. I, I would argue strongly against that. I think you go with the guys that are confident, first of all, as scores and, and are good drivers and can facilitate an offense. And that's what we've seen. Ingram and Holiday, they should be leading this offense and everybody else should be playing off of them. So I just like the way everything has worked out in general, Preston. So a guy like Redick, yeah, although he hasn't had those big scoring numbers, hasn't made you know those five, six, seven threes in a game, that's going to come. Because when he's hot, I guarantee the team will continue to go to him in those games. And like I said, everybody's going to get a turn and that's beautiful to see. I think that's going to be the key to this offense because there's so many talented guys. You want to just feed the guy that's hot. You want to keep going to what's working. As we saw last night, for instance, Julio Ocavor, that was just beautiful. His 26
0: point game, just beautiful. Gambling. It's not the most prevalent of topics at the family barbecue, but the truth is it can be quite fun. Picking a couple of friends to play some friendly wagers before a game can immediately raise the stakes and make your Sundays even more exhilarating. That's why I go to my bookie. It's fast, it's easy, and they pay when you win. Let's face it, where you're betting is just as important as who you're betting on. Football fans, you can even bet after kickoff. So if it looks like your bet is fading, just take the other side. If you like to bet a lot, try a parlay. You can multiply your winnings and brag to your friends as the money rolls in. But now is the best time to join because MyBookie will double your first deposit. Use promo code CHAIR to activate the offer. That's promo code CHAIR. Visit MyBookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. All right. I think we just answered Neil Sink 40 years question as well as Bo Sarge question and tell us of Athens questions. So now we're going to go over to David Rose uh, Grubb. He's asking about Lonzo Ball in more pick and roll situations. Uh, he looked much better at it last night, David Rose ments. He said, I also love Alvin putting Zoe in the scoring role with the second unit. Do you think this is a confidence builder? So let's just talk about Lonzo's development. We've been talking ad nauseum. He's leading the team in three-point shots right now. It's somewhere around uh, seven or a little bit north of seven. I don't think he fired quite that many last night but he has been leading the team in three-point shooting. We need him to attack the basket, kind of like how Alfred Payton or Rajon Rondo would after like 10 or so possessions. You just need the defense to be accountable to you. Um, And Lonzo did a little bit of that last night. What did you see in terms of his
2: development? Well, you know, I I had been pushing for that Nikhil Alexander-Walker-Lonzo ball pairing, and it's effective. It it gave Lonzo, I think those two guys complement each other very well, um, because they're both guys who who like to move in transition. And you are able to see Lonzo get scores um, in those situations and off that off a of steal um, because that's where he excels is in transition. Uh, you have to look at it as in half court, if he's playing off the ball, the thing is you want him to continue to move. If he's standing still, um I think he, he tends to settle for that three because he feels like that's my job catch and shoot catch and shoot but if you keep him moving and um off the ball we saw in the preseason that's when he was able to get backdoor for lobs we saw him able to get um drop off scores uh you know off, off of movement by other players so i think lonzo you know had a fantastic game last night and i think he was uh trying to get to the rim it's still going to take time this is still a process he's still you know, played just over 94 games, just 94 games in his entire career. So um two years of injury are gonna sap that confidence. The lack of shooting is gonna sap that confidence. But I really like when when he gets moving, when he's not standing still, it just seems he's so much more effective as a scorer. Uh yeah, Drew Holiday was
0: five of nine from three last night. Lonzo ball only took two three-point shots, only seven shots total. Uh, We've got some fun Jahlil Okafor comments. Adam Cubido says, you think Ja took his son Jokic trick-or-treating after the game? And then CB (laughs) said, uh, what should Ja say in his all-star game MVP speech? So uh, two great comments from those guys. Really appreciate it. Uh, Let's go over to Ali. He says, um, were things fixed last night, or do you think this was simply just a good matchup? Well, I did point out in the the game thread that the Pelicans
1: had a lot of success actually last year, you know, where they went two and two. But overall, they were the better team in those four matchups. So I do feel like that is a good matchup. and, And the main reason why, Chris Finch used to, you know, run the offense over there in Denver. So he knows Jokic. He knows exactly what those guys are trying to do on offense. But having said that, we've got a lot of new players. And, of course, integrating them, that's what we've been talking about all season. So the fact that they were suddenly able to flip a switch Hats off to everybody around. So I don't know, Preston. I mean, the Denver Nuggets are a very good team, but, you know, another thing we got to consider, they've been struggling, kind of. If you watched and read what the beat writers for them were saying about the game, that this is just a continuation of their bad play, but they really got exposed last night. They should really be or very easily could be one and four in a season. So they actually are not playing their best basketball as well.
0: Oh, then we just met them at the right time. This is from Gito. He says, when are we going to max Brandon Ingram? Um, unfortunately, Gito, that uh, that timeline has passed. I think that was the Monday before opening night, October 21st. But the good news is that he will be a restricted free agent, so no team can come and steal him from the Pelicans. The Pelicans can simply match any offer that's made to him. But you would think at this point that they would just give him the deal that he wants as soon as the uh, the season expires or whenever um, he's eligible to be extended. This is from Anthony Ledesma uh, Grub. He said, John mentioned prior to the game that the team realized in film study that they weren't talking on defense and that they would fix it. I actually tweeted that from the main account uh, during their shoot around, which was uh, made available from the Pelicans website. He said he heard more talking, but maybe it was just brought to his attention. Did you guys hear more communication going on
2: the defensive side of the floor, David? I think that they were communicating more. Um, I don't think it was a surprise that they were struggling in communication. Because you take out your your two guys who are supposed to be um, the middle linebackers of this, the play callers in this, and Drew in favors, and then you have guys who are not vocal people. Lonzo is not a tremendously vocal guy, Brandon is not a tremendously vocal guy, and, and you just you also put the uncertainty of learning the system. So talking becomes even more important, but I think you know it's when you have that, that newness, you you kind of retreat into not speaking because you don't want to say the wrong thing. And I, I know the staff saw it. I know that it was an issue for this team. And I do believe that they've told them, look, at least if you talk, you can try to help each other out, even if you're making your mistake. So um, it's 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 going to be critical as long as they're shorthanded. And even when they have everybody back that they talk because they're just so young and it's a habit that they need to get into if they're going to even be average defensively this season. So, yeah, it's going to continue to be a point of emphasis, and it will be the entire season, and it will be going into next season as well. It's going to take time to build that up. But, yeah, I think that they were more communicative last night, particularly, like Ali said, in getting people on the perimeter and making sure that they did not uh, get the clean looks from three.
0: All right, Ali, tomorrow is my birthday, and for my present, we're playing the Oklahoma City Thunder and Chris Paul – At 5 p.m., I'm guessing that's uh, Eastern time, so 4 p.m. Central. Are the Pelicans going to win again?
1: I'm going to say yes. I think that that team, although we saw them blow the doors off the Golden State Warriors, are not a good team. That's been their only win. Um, Outside of really Shea, Gilders, Alexander, they don't really have somebody that I fear. You know, Chris Paul, of course, can break down a defense, but if you kind of make him shoot and you kind of throw somebody a little more athletic and faster on him, I think that can really reduce his effectiveness. So we've got those guys. We've got Drew Holiday. We've got Lonzo Ball. Got Josh Hart. So I really think, I feel good about what they stumbled upon, this coaching staff, like I said, especially for while Derek Favors is out. You've got to have that size. You've got to make getting those boards um, the number one priority. And of course, eliminating something uh from an opponent's strategy whether it's like i said free throws three pointers at the rim something's got to be taken away so if they just stick to that i think they'll be fine because like we've seen guys we've got the talent to win ball games they can put up points so if they can just do enough to slow down okc which i think they should be able to then they'll be fine they should come away with the win
0: and it's just eliminating second chance points and fast break points but, uh, it really is is the difference. Sorry, go ahead, Grub.
2: Yeah, I, I mean, but that's not a concern with Oklahoma City. I mean, this is a team that struggles to score. So fast break is not what they do. Chris Paul, you know, career worst to start a season in assists, very high turnovers right now. Um, you know, like you said, the really the only two guys who have performed up to expectations have been Shea Gilgis-Alexander um, and Danilo Gallinari, and then above expectations have been Dennis Schroeder, but the rest of that team, you know, Stephen Adams is probably not going to play tomorrow, so that helps inside. Nerlens Noel is going to play, but he's not a scorer, so you're not worried about him dominating on the offensive end that way. Mike Muscala can't hit a shot right now. Andre Roberson never could hit a shot. Terrence Ferguson is is you know not a a, a real threat. This matchup is perfect for what the Pelicans do well. You can put Lonzo Ball on Chris Paul and feel comfortable. You can put Drew Holiday on Shea Gilgis Alexander and feel comfortable. And then on top of that, the Thunder are one of the worst three-point shooting teams in the entire league. So you take away those advantages that other teams have had over the Pelicans, and then you don't have a Steven Adams in there who has always been a problem for this team. You have to like their opportunity and their matchups against the Thunder. This is a game that potentially, again, you could get back-to-back double-digit wins.
0: All right, Ollie. Not just the Thunder. After that, they play the Raptor, or sorry, then they play the Nets, who are one and three right now and just falling apart. Kenny Atkinson kind of said they've lost their identity, at least on the offensive end. They're one and three. Then the Raptors, and then uh the Charlotte Hornets. Ollie, is there a chance that they could win three of the next four games?
1: Oh, I think absolutely. I think that, as David mentioned, yeah, the Thunder are are struggling. We've seen with the Nets, they become all of a sudden, hey, you had Kyrie Irving, suddenly everybody takes the secondary role, and, and I'll still never understand adding DeAndre Jordan when you had Jared Allen, so I'm sure that's creating some kind of, you know, a little bit of problems there as well. So, yeah, they can definitely get the next two, and we saw they should have beaten the Raptors on opening night. So maybe they'll have a little bit, hey, we we got to finish what we should have finished up in toronto so being back in skc they could conceivably be four and four playing a hornet's team that isn't very good on the road which could put them at five and four but again let's not jump ahead of ourselves they've only got that one win despite the fact that they've played well at four of the last five games they've got to beat the teams that they should so let's see them do that with the thunder then the nets and we can look past that
0: I want to ask you something off-topic, uh, Grub. Before I do that, uh, Jaleel Okafor is 17th, I think, by my count, in the NBA in effective field goal percentage right now. Guess who's number one?
2: I I have no clue. Christian, Christian. Wood. Oh, yes. Oh, geez, Christ- yes, he's like he's 80% on well. the floor.
0: Yeah, yeah. 8- 82.5% uh, effective field goal percentage. But that's not what I want to talk about, actually, Grub. I, I just noticed that, and I just had to point that out. I want to talk about the the beef between Joel Embiid and Karl Anthony Towns, and this is something that I've been thinking about <laughs> a lot lately. I, I know it's fun, but like in a society right now where bullying is so like shunned and frowned upon in professional sports, it's it's celebrated and almost revered the way that Joel Embiid like imposes his will, not just physically but also psychologically on these players. And we've seen somebody like Karl Anthony Towns be really susceptible to that, not just from him but also from Jimmy Butler. What was your reaction to him lashing out both physically and, I guess, verbally and socially to Joel Embiid after their
2: game? I think it was two nights ago. On the one hand, I, you know, I absolutely agree with you that the culture of sports has to change in in that regard. Um, I think that uh, there's a good healthy sports hate and there's a good healthy sports rivalry. Um, But we started to see where players demean each other a bit more than it's, you know, they take it off the court. And Embiid has done that plenty of times, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, the big issue with Blake Griffin at the beginning of his career was that he would not stand up for himself, that teammates called him out, particularly, you know, most notably, it was Matt Barnes, who said, I'm tired of fighting for guys who won't fight for themselves. And Carl Towns at this point in his career is tired of hearing people tell him he's got to take the next step. And we're seeing the season a different Carl Towns in a lot of ways. And I was glad to see him. Assert himself in that manner, because in a lot of ways, I think Embiid is a guy who needs to be popped to, to, you know, every once in a while, whether it's, you know, during the course of the game where the way you play him or just, you know, emotionally to let him know that this you're not standing for this because I think he does want to bully people. But at the same time, he's not always the most effective at backing it up when you're when your best insult is make it to the second round of the playoffs. Yo, Joel, maybe it's time to try something else, you know, win games, man, get your team to a different level, and then can focus on the talking. But I have no problem with Carl Anthony Towns standing up for himself. And really, he took on both guys. He took on Simmons and um, Embiid, and I was happy for him. I was glad he did that. I feel the exact same way, Ali.
0: Uh, I don't condone uh, physical violence in, in the NBA because ultimately we, we don't want a Todd Gibson, Nicole Meritage thing happening. I, I would hate for one of these great players to get hurt at their prime, playing the way Bobby the Portis, buddy. Play. Yeah, you throwing stuff on Taj.
2: Don't be doing yeah, that. Yeah, don't Taz. do Taj. <laughs> I like Taj. Bobby Portis. Sorry, Sorry Bobby Portis. <laughs> they all play Nicole for the Knicks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, but I, I too was happy for Carl Anthony Towns. It's not something that you want to see But it does feel like a lot of guys, you know, pile onto this guy. Even Anthony Davis made it his personal mission in life to destroy Carl Anthony Towns uh, psychologically more so than physically. Uh, Did you feel like a a good sense of, like, pride in watching Carl Anthony Towns stand up to his bully?
1: Yeah, I did. But I want to differentiate, though. I don't find what happens in-game that bad or troubling because, really, that's a battle of gladiators. That is something that I do like with sports. I feel like the NBA, with some of their rules— has kind of taken away from, which leads to good rivalries, which leads to, you know, a little bad blood. You want that feistiness in games. So whether it's Embiid or Carl Anthony Towns, you know, saying stuff to each other, basically talking trash, right? Elbowing each other after one makes a spectacular play, then you know, letting the other guy know about it, that's fine. But it's the stuff that after games, you know, when Joel and B goes on social media, that that's completely unnecessary. That's the type of stuff that You've got to think about you've got how many fans, especially young kids, following you, and that's kind of the image you're portraying is that hey, I'm a bully on the court and off the court because then you are really a bully, right? What happens on the court, I feel like, should be separated from everything you do outside of it. So, yeah, it was great to see with Carl Anthony Towns, but I gotta admit, I was disappointed in his teammates pressing when Ben Simmons had his <laughs> arm around his neck, you know, and he everybody's talking about he's tapping out. Well, we learned I don't he think Ben t- Simmons was actually doing all that, but he's got teammates just kind of jogging back like they probably did defensively for flip Saunders and all those other teams and why the Memphis or Minnesota Timberwolves always get grief for not giving effort. We kind of saw it on that play because they didn't want to get back to help their own teammate, their best and biggest star.
0: Yeah, 100%. And I obviously have never played on that level, but just to my naked eye, Watching Carl Anthony Towns and Joel Embiid going at each other early on in the game, it seemed like Joel Embiid was trying to physically impose his, his, his will on him more so than you would in the natural course of a basketball game. It almost seemed like he was trying to physically hurt him with his body on every low post possession. It, it seemed like he was giving him a bit extra. And I, I, I totally appreciate and understand what you're talking about, these gladiators going head-to-head. Head. But I also just want to like open the conversation that when you see a guy like this who is as imposing physically as he is mentally on another player – that can damage somebody like an Andre Drummond or Carl Anthony Towns in in ways that we can't possibly appreciate or understand and i just like was overwhelmed with like i don't know joy and just watching Carl Anthony Towns stand <clears throat> up to him and and i just hope that this is something that evolves in a good natured way going uh, going forward to where these guys bring out each other's absolute best when they play each other but maybe keep a lot of that other side all that other stuff off the court I don't know if that makes sense to y'all
1: yeah Preston real quick I want to mention this did you happen to see the play last from last night's game between the Clippers and Spurs where Pat Bev and DeMar DeRozan had to be broken up because they really went after each other hard on one specific play did you no, see that I did not, I did not. Okay. okay well in, in essence they were going at each other hard just like you described with what pounds and uh um and were doing but you know what after the play was over after they kind of walked walked off for five five seconds and everybody split them up they patted each other on the butts everything was good from that point on so that's what i'm saying what i like to see that competitive fire in the game when you're throwing by i mean this is a physical game press and you can't deny that so yeah people are bigger so they're going to throw their weight around i don't have a problem with that even though you're right Chances of maybe somebody getting hurt kind of increase, but that kind of comes with the game, doesn't it? That's that that's part of the game. And like I said, I saw that with DeRozan and Beverly last night, but they didn't have any hard feelings. That's what I would like to see and be, you know, kind of do in the future. Yeah, you can be that imposing figure on the court, but don't be that extra. Don't give that extra to where you do come off more like being a bully.
0: Yeah, one hundred percent. And this was more so just. um just to an, uh, express an appreciation for Carl Anthony Towns and just everything that he's uh, gone through in the past three years as a member of the Minnesota Timberwolves through multiple regimes, Jimmy Butler, Joel Embiid, Anthony Davis. Uh, I just really appreciated the way that that he stood in in ways that we don't. Typically, appreciate. Typically, I don't want to see fighting during an NBA game. That was the first time I can remember in a long time where I actually like wanted to applaud a guy, and I was like proud of guy for saying. It. But anyway, we've talked ourselves to death on this. This is supposed to be a Pelicans podcast. Let's get out of here. David Grubb, tell us a bit about what you're what you're up to this week.
2: Well, you know, um, now the show's over for the week. Uh, <laughs> I'll be. I'm trying to finish a story on um, the Pelicans possibly adding a big, like we already talked about. I'm trying to finish that up, and um, I'm also looking at some of these very interesting lineups Um, just real quick. There were two things that I wanted to make sure folks knew. Okay. Number one, we didn't really talk about Brandon Ingram a lot and um, people need to understand how good his start really is. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I talked a little bit about this on my show today. So if he, if he keeps his averages as they are now, but I I, obviously I think his point total will go down once Zion and favors are back in the lineup full time. But if let's say he kept his stat line as of right now of 26.8, 8 boards, 4.8 assists, 1.2 blocks. There are only four players since the um since the shot I mean the three-point era began who put up, up those kind of numbers for an entire season. David Robinson, um, in their first five years, excuse me. David Robinson when he was 28. Uh Giannis uh, uh Titicupo, when he was twenty-three, and Carl Anthony Towns and Brandon Ingram are both doing that this season. So Ingram is taking the jump that we really wanted to see. And then the last thing I wanted to say was when we talk about those lineups, the Pelicans top five, three-man lineups, five out of their top six, the guys who were in it, Lonzo Ball, Frank Jackson, Nikhil Alexander, Kenrich Williams. They're the, the guys who appear the most often in the Pelicans top net rating lineups of at least 10 minutes or more. So I'd like to see more of those combinations together Because I think those three guys, particularly Ball, Frank Jackson, and Nikhil, play so well off each other.
1: Yeah, real quick, Preston, do we have time? Because that wasn't as surprising? You mentioned it, and I'm glad David brought up. Kenrich Williams didn't get any run last night.
0: Yeah, and uh, according to Clean the Glass, when Kenrich Williams plays the four, the team is 10.5 points better per 100 possessions. And initially, we were talking yesterday about possibly having Nicola Melli or Kenrich Williams start at the four. I'm glad they started one of them rather than put... Uh, JJ Redick or Josh Hart at the three to start the game. But yeah, he has been one of their uh, most successful players this season. He didn't get a lot of run, and I brought it up in our group last night. And obviously, there wasn't need to expand on it since we won by 15 points. But yeah, he's played really, really well. He's shooting really well. He gives them everything they need in terms of hustle. Why wasn't he on the floor, Ollie?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's just you can tell it was obviously something that was decided ahead of time. And I guess with the Pelicans playing well from start really to finish, they didn't want to interrupt that. Alvin didn't need to go deeper in his bench like he has in previous games. So it's, it's it is just a little surprising cuz what he brings you defensively and on the glass, two areas that the you know, the Pelicans have had a lot of problems with. I don't think this will be, you know, like I said, something that continues. I think this was more matchup based against Denver, but we'll see. I mean, Kendrick, as you guys have just mentioned, he deserves time on that court somehow.
0: Yeah, and just uh more on Brandon Ingram. points, 8.2 rebounds, 4.8 assists, as Grubb mentioned. Nobody has those three numbers. Uh, There are players who are close, but in terms of just meeting those thresholds in every single one of those categories, there's nobody who totals all of them. He's also shooting 50% from three-point range on 6.4 attempts per game, which is actually quite outstanding, and that is number two in the NBA to Carl Anthony Towns, who is taking 8.5 attempts per game. Uh, let's go ahead and get out of here. Ali, what have you got going on this weekend? Well,
1: I'm going to be covering the next game, the OKC Thunder. So preview recap by me. I'm going to try and get something else done, too, because there's a lot of interesting things to dissect from that Nuggets game. But I'll probably wait to see if we can get another uh, win and therefore maybe a little bit more, you know, um, better perspective on where the Pelicans are headed, like with the three-point shooting, the defense and stuff like that. I'm glad David's already doing the lineups. So, yeah, we we just need to start doing writing more articles like that.
0: Okay, great stuff. Thanks, everybody, so much for listening. I apologize again uh, for my audio quality. It'll be back to normal next week. Uh, remember, if you like us, just give us a hand, uh, retweet this, share with your friends, comment, uh, just spread it to more <laughs> and more uh, listeners across the Pelicans community. We really uh, appreciate any help you can get. In the meantime, hopefully, we can rattle off a couple of wins here, get Zion back. Uh, it is November, and that means that this possibly could be the month of Zion. We're hoping for that November 27th date with the Los Angeles Lakers, would possibly be his return, but we'll see. For now, let's dance. Let's go, pals.